Ambos is an all-encompassing medical student platform written by doctors that combines a comprehensive library with over 8,000 concise articles with a multiple QBank with over 5,000 multiple choice questions in the form of clinical case scenarios. The entire platform is filled with great learning features that will help to enhance your studies. Ambos comes along with two mobile apps and a great Enki add-on that you can download for free. If you have not used Ambos yet, you can sign up for a free five-day trial on ambos.com to study smarter, not harder. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Global Health Chat. Today, Jess and I are joined by our wonderful guest, Yanine. Yanine is a, a, a very keen global health and human rights advocate, and she has had a number of volunteering experiences, particularly with refugees, in Europe. I was lucky enough to be with Yanin in 2019 when we were volunteering for a non-for-profit organization known as No Name Kitchen, which specifically works with refugees in Serbia and Bosnia. And they're specifically raising issues such as police brutality towards refugees as they try and make their way into the Schengen zone, as well as supplying food and medical supplies to those who are not cared for um, in the other refugee camps in that area. So today we're going to be chatting a bit about our experiences and what are some of the really important issues for refugees in Europe at the moment. Yeah, so um, thanks so much for um, joining us today, Yanine. It's really, it's really exciting, especially for me to be able to talk to you and, and Erica about both of your experiences. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, so would you mind telling me a bit about what inspired you to volunteer with No Name Kitchen? Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks uh, for having me in this podcast uh, today. Um, actually, I have... Um, personal uh, motivation uh, why I worked uh, with No Name Kitchen. Um, my grandparents came uh, to Germany as well as uh, refugees from former Yugoslavia. So this uh, topic was like, it has always been a part of my personal life also. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I felt like I have to work in this uh, field and to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I might also ask you, Erica, sort of how did you come across No Name Kitchen and what inspired you? Yeah, I was really inspired by the fact that they were operating purely non-for-profit and for like in filling kind of the gap because a lot of the refugee camps in that area, um, they were run by UNHCR, but they weren't really providing for everyone and um, they, they do do a, a good job with what they can, but I really liked how we could really form strong uh, connections with the refugees. And also, like, from my perspective, um, I really enjoyed being able to help with some of the medical support because uh, some of what I did, as well as, like, distributing food, I was also part of the medical team. So we just did basic medical treatment. Um, mm -hmm. And that was really rewarding, also really tragic because so many of the, um, the most common medical complaints were things like dental abscesses and, and things that um, we don't really see in places like um, Australia. And 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah, Erica, you just touched on a bit about what you did. Um, so Yanine, would you mind telling me a little bit about, you know, what sort of support or um, sort of services you provided for the refugees with your time at uh, No Name Kitchen? Yeah, so before um, Erica arrived, I um, was uh, in the medical team, but uh, I'm not a medical student, so <laughs> I could just do the basic um, stuff like uh, treating mosquito bites, which were really bad and uh, like just small boundaries. And um, then later um, I was in the food um, distribution team and also in the clothes distribution team. And also um, um, I um, uh, had also uh, interviews with the refugees when they um, faced um, violence at the borders uh, by the border police. So um, yeah, I did, uh, I wrote uh, reports um, from their experience. Yeah. Yeah, that, like it's, those reports are so powerful and um, you see all across the world that if things like this aren't reported on, then people don't know about them. Like I know for me personally, I didn't know about the police brutality on the borders because it's not an issue that was very widely reported in the media. And it's it's so tragic because the most severe of the medical issues that they faced were ones caused by injury. And um, I was, yeah, was really shocked by that. True. Yeah. And what were some of the other issues, Yanine, that you saw uh, within the, your time there? Like, what were some of the things that people struggled with? Um, yeah, I think uh, the biggest issue is actually when they um, uh, crossed the border to Croatia and um, were physically in Croatia, they were denied um, asylum. Mm -hmm. And actually once... Um, refugees arrive in a European country, they um, can apply for asylum. And um, yeah, but uh, Croatia just denied to give it to them and also Hungary. So sir, like the place where we uh, worked was like um, bordering to Hungary and um, Croatia and also Bosnia. And Hungary is also in the European Union, but uh, Hungary also like treats them in a very bad way in the borders and also denies to give them asylum. So I think that's the biggest issue um, refugees face uh, in the Balkan countries. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really hard because these people have made such a long journey and we Got to hear a lot about their journeys and and also sometimes people just didn't want to talk about their journeys because they were so traumatic and to be in, in Serbia it felt like they were kind of in limbo like they couldn't return home and and couldn't like go forward uh, so that was like really difficult yeah exactly and um, also for the minors I think it's um, really uh, difficult because they they don't have anybody, they came alone and uh, then they have to find uh, some people they can maybe trust and um, yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and would you mind, Eileen, talking a little bit more about the sort of the pre the police brutality that we're talking about that the refugees faced and what sort of um, what sort of impacts you think that has created, um, whether that's you know mental scarring and also physical. Yeah, I think um, so. Maybe um, uh, I think it's the aim of the European Union to um, scare people not to come anymore by the um, bad conditions of the camps and also by the high level of uh, violence. And uh, because they use different form of violence, like they use the um, batons, um, they uh, force people to undress, they um, uh, like use their um, dogs to scare them. But I think uh, like that uh, the people are so uh, desperate and uh, it still doesn't stop them uh, to uh, cross the border again and again. And uh, yeah, but it's uh, it uh, has a big impact on the refugees, like the violence. Um, there were also some refugees um, when they came to the medical team. Um, they had already chronic, um, uh, how to say that, um, problems which we uh, couldn't treat, and when uh, they face again, um, police violence, it uh, cannot uh, improve. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it cannot be better. They cannot uh, recover so fast. It's uh, yeah, really horrible. And until today, it uh, didn't change. Like there's still violence going on. Even um, during the pandemic, I don't think they make any um, changes or that they feel more um, uh, sympathy with them so yeah it's really like awful that like when they're already battered and already tired and exhausted that that's when they're like um, hit again like with the when they already have been through so much yeah yes I do remember a story of um, one of the people that we met he had like swam from Morocco to Spain I think and like crossed the ocean just um, really, really desperate for a new chance um, at life and new chance to have opportunities. Um, but so physically exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you need the degree that you studied at university. Do, do you feel, feel that that helped you in this work or did it, or the things that could have been better about the study that you did that would have? Mm, yeah, I think it um, prepares me very well for this, um, to work in this area. Um, it's about, it's a lot uh, like theoretical, but uh, it's also to go to have some theories in mind and um, yeah. Yeah, but maybe it could be a bit more practical also. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's with everything at uni. It's it's yeah. very much in theory, but good to be exactly. practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you got the, the practical experience um, with No Name Kitchen. 
that's good um yeah so um yeah before you're talking a little bit about your time working um with the border violence monitoring network so could you um just tell us a little bit about what that was and um what your role was in that um volunteering sort of scheme yeah uh, so border violence monitoring um it's uh, also a non-profit organization and they also send um, volunteers like um, Nonen Kitchen to um, different places um, and uh, like uh, as a volunteer in border violence monitoring you um, like first of all you contact uh, people who um, experience violence and um, then of course you uh, ask them if they are um, like uh, ready to talk about their experience because you also um, have to be careful about how you approach them and um, like what information uh, they can give you that they are not because uh, they face the traumas and uh, it's also difficult for them to speak so you have to make sure that um, you don't mention their names in the reports and uh, not too many um, personal information. And uh, yeah, then you, um, if uh, they agree um, with that, then you can uh, take an interview with them. And uh, yeah, sometimes interviews were a bit difficult because um, of the language barriers um but uh, yeah and um so um i could take in total i think three interviews it's not so much but uh, i was there only for one and a half months and uh, like it takes time to um gain trust um yeah so you cannot take so many interviews in that short time yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, you talked a bit about like gaining trust. That's I guess that'd be really, really important in, you know, not just just in most circumstances, it takes time. And then even, you know, in this particular circumstances, these individuals are so vulnerable. They're so emotionally vulnerable that, you know, it's hard for them to just open up about all their experiences with a stranger who, you know, seemingly is trustworthy but even they themselves don't know so um yeah i really um yeah i appreciate what you've said um yeah and so with your degree in sort of international studies and with your experiences volunteering um what sort of work do you hope to see yourself doing in the future um or sort of alongside maybe your your primary job yeah, I can imagine um, also to work in uh, an organization like No Name Kitchen or um, probably uh, contribute uh, something here also where I live in, uh, um, in uh, the field of migration or integration. Or I can also um, imagine to work in the uh, field of journalism also specifically with uh, this topic. Yeah, that, that'd be really, yeah, really amazing. Yeah. 
Beautiful. And Yanine, what do you think that we as Australians um, can do to help with this crisis? Is there anything that you'd recommend or anything that we can yeah, be active on at the moment? Yeah, I think um, because as you said, you didn't know so much about the violence and um, the European borders, maybe to um, uh, yeah, spread uh, more information um, on this topic, probably on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or maybe in schools, like to make workshops and um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And this is such an important topic at at the moment. And um, it's relating this experience to what's happening across the world at the moment with COVID-19, because Mm -hmm. all of the things we've chatted about, um, they're like so tragic and and need so much action. But uh, a lot of the situations in which refugees find themselves in are the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do for managing COVID. As, yeah, we were chatting before, like refugees are in in conditions where it's not possible to socially distance. And I think, you know, as we, uh, in Australia, we're very fortunate and I feel like it's good to be aware of what's been happening in other parts of the world. Like we've found it easy to socially distanced but that's not the same for a lot of other places yeah true yeah but yeah thank you so much Janine for joining us thank Thank you so much it's been really informative yeah especially for me to to listen to both of your experiences um so yeah thank you so much thank you our podcast is so excited to be sponsored by OskiBank. OskiBank is an amazing resource designed for medical students by Australian doctors. It provides over 180 stations for you to study efficiently for your OSCE preparations. What me and Erica love about OskiBank is that there's an option to both study solo as well as in an interactive live group. This allows you to study not only in your own time, but also with a group of friends allowing you to more efficiently prepare for your OSCE exams. Both Eric and I have had um, an amazing time studying with OSCE Bank and I know personally it's really helped me with my end of year exams. Thanks to OSCE Bank for sponsoring this video.